You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Allie. And I'm Matt. And you're listening to the What's What's Up Up Next podcast. podcast. I'm Robert. And I'm Melissa. And you're listening to the The What's What's Up Up Next podcast. What's up next? Where your hosts, Paul David Thompson and Doc G, take the discussion on topics in the financial independence movement to the next level. Guest panelists share their opinion to questions that don't have clear answers to help you refine your path to financial independence. Welcome. This is Paul David Thompson. And this is Doc G. So, Paul Thompson, what's up next? Well, Doc, we have a pair of couples on here today who are our guest panelists, and we're going to ask them the question, should we work together? And specifically, should you work with your spouse when running a business? So I'll have each of them give us a quick introduction. We're Rob and Melissa. We run Flea Market Flipper, and we've been working together on that business for the last four years. We're Allie and Matt, and yeah, we have two businesses. One, which just takes up the majority of our time, is a keto food company, and the other is financial coaching for couples. All right, Alia, I'd actually like to start with you. Talk to me a little bit about your career path. What did you do after you got out of college? After I got out of college, I was a petroleum engineer in the oil and gas industry for four years. And that's where Matt and I met. He was in the oil and gas industry as well. And Matt, are you trained as an engineer also? I am, yeah. I have a mechanical engineering degree, but yeah, I ended up in oil and gas right out of college. And Rob and Melissa, I'm going to ask you the same question. Rob, what did you do coming out of school? What, What was your first job? Yeah, no college for me. It's out of high school. Uh, I tried to go to college and couldn't cut it. So uh, no college for me, but I actually worked for a report company, homeowners insurance report company. So we actually did inspections on homes for insurance companies. And Melissa, your first job out of school? I actually worked for a dinner show called Arabian Nights. I rode horses in the show for about three years after school. So after college. Yeah, I think on Facebook, you sent out a picture of you uh, standing on top of a horse. That was pretty impressive. So Allie, you guys both started with very traditional engineering jobs. What happened that made you start looking towards starting your own business? Yeah, so we were living in Bakersfield, California, which was not a place we saw ourselves living forever. And being in the oil industry, we felt really restrictive about where we could live just due to what jobs were available. And so we started looking towards financial independence and started saving like 70% of our income at the end of our working careers. We were saving that much. And then we thought, well, you know, we're going to retire at 33, 34. We're not going to want to just sit around. So let's think about what we want to do when we're done and create businesses that are aligned with our values and goals in life now instead of waiting till then. Matt, I sometimes think of finding financial independence as both a bane and a boon. I think it's a bane because I really think it's a wonderful thing to pursue and it's what I think we all should be doing. And yet I think it's a bane because all of a sudden your job starts looking painful right? It can actually change the way you look at the nine to five. Before you were going to work as an engineer and it was just like what everyone was doing. Did you have a trigger point that set you off and made you think, boy, I can't stay at this job any longer? I definitely would agree with you. I think it can change your whole perspective on on work. And now it's more of a vehicle to get to this point in the future instead of, yeah, like you said, something that you do day to day and more of like the normal flow of life. 
But as far as a certain trigger point where we kind of decided to make the jump, I don't know if there was a specific thing that kind of set us off. But as we had been pursuing financial independence for more and more years, probably about four or five by the time we quit, we'd started to amass more savings and we had more flexibility and we had more you know, almost confidence from having that behind us. So it was kind of a slow and gradual thing, I think, that along with we had started to work on some of the businesses and saw a potential avenue out of our nine to five jobs and into something more entrepreneurial that we really just decided it was time. And Rob, speak to this a little bit too. Was there a trigger point? What made you decide to look outside of your nine to five to other places for making money? Ours was a little bit different. I had been flipping items pretty much my whole adult life. So I had been buying and selling stuff. I've been doing it on the side. Mostly on eBay. Most of our sales came from eBay and we did it. Melissa and I did it. We've been married for 12 years. We did it in our marriage life together when we needed something like to go on a vacation or we wanted something, I should say, when we wanted to go on a vacation, when we needed an extra car, we would actually flip a couple things and make a couple thousand dollars. So we never really, it never clicked for us how much potential was in this this business going full time until our third child was born and Melissa was going to stay home with the kids. And yeah, that's when my professional career, they said, we're, we're taking away your health benefits, which was one of the main reasons I was with them. And then that's like everything jumped on. I mean, it all just piled up and that's what was the tipping point for us to actually go full time into the flipping. And Melissa, was it Rob who kind of introduced the idea of flipping into your relationship? Is that something that he brought to the table? And what did you think about it when you first heard about it? Definitely was Rob. Because <laughs> um, he, he did it when we were dating, like when I first met him. And I didn't really understand because he always did it on the side. And I never really understood what he did. I mean, I guess he sells on eBay. I don't know. <laughs> I tried to explain it to my mom too. I'm like, okay. But yeah, he definitely introduced it. And um, now we do it together, which is pretty cool. And when he first kind of introduced this idea, did you think it was viable or did you think this was some nutty thing that he did on the side? Well, I knew he made money at it. So I was like, all right, if you can make money from some of this stuff, sure. Allie, there is this cute story on your blog about how you guys first met. And I think at some point you had scheduled your first date and then ended up going out the night before because you couldn't wait. The reason why I bring this up is... So you guys are at this point in your jobs where you're thinking about financial independence and other businesses. Was there any doubt that you would do it together? I mean, was it always a plan that this would be something that you would do together as a team? Yeah, I think um, it was. Although I did start my own podcast at one point, which only lasted six months. But I think doing it together was really natural for us. And it came easy because we both have complementary skill sets. And so like where I'm weak, he's strong and vice versa. And so it's become a really strong team doing it together. And I wouldn't want to do it any other way now, for sure. Matt, you guys did have some separate kind of businesses you did more on your own and then businesses you did together, at least in the beginning. Yeah, I think when we kind of got exposed to the idea of entrepreneurship as one an avenue to have something to do after reaching financial independence and as an avenue to potentially accelerate it, I started, you know, just kind of testing the waters in a bunch of different areas. Mm -hmm. So I got like, interested in real estate and real estate investing and things like that. And I would say that's something that I did more on my own. Yeah. Allison did some personal coaching and life coaching as well yeah. as starting her own personal blog and podcast. She kind of did on her own. And yeah, then we've kind of come together and done the financial coaching and courses in content as well as the food product together. And I think we enjoy working together more than we did doing it on our own, for sure. For sure. Talk to me, Matt, a little bit about those complementary skill sets. Like what is Allie good at that you're not and what are you good at that she's not? Yeah, Allie's definitely, I think she has the CEO title right now. Maybe one, because she works on it full time, but also I think like <laughs> she has a really good like big picture mind like less of a traditional engineer brain and I'm like very much a traditional engineer brain. So I'm very much into like the operations and detail, like focused on financial reports and like the operation of our food company. And I think I do some of those detail things really well. And Ali does a lot of like the marketing and outreach and branding, as well as like a lot of big picture forward thinking for the business very well. And Melissa, talk about that same issue. Did you find your skill sets were complementary, and in which ways? Definitely. I think we complement each other a lot. He is more visionary and, you know, the, the creative. And so he's always coming up with a new idea every day, pretty much. <laughs> and I'm a little bit more of the planner and execute things. And so I think that's helped us a lot. For sure. 
Rob, is there ever conflict in that sense? I mean, it's hard to bring two minds together. When you come in as a couple, you also bring your own set of baggage, right, from other parts of your life. Do you find that conflict is easier to resolve or harder to resolve because your spouses? We know what pushes each other's buttons. We've been married for 12 years, so we know what pushes each other's buttons. We know how to handle conflict. The majority of the time when we get into a, a dispute or an argument, she's trying to control me. She's trying to be my boss. And that doesn't work out well on my part. I'm the planner type. I'm and the free spirit. Not. I'm a party looking to happen. So <laughs> she, she tries to constrain me and that doesn't work. So when she does that, that, that starts an argument. It starts dispute and that kind of stuff. So but we do complement. We both have totally different skill sets. We have two aspects to our business. We have the flipping and then we have the online blog aspect as well. And she's much more into the online blog, the back end of that kind of stuff. And I'm kind of the face of the brand for that second business that we both operate. Allison, I want to go back a little bit to the beginning. When you're both doing your engineering jobs, you've discovered financial independence. You're starting to each do some separate businesses as well as work together. Did you feel like you had to be financially independent? Dependent to quit your traditional nine to five? Or did you feel like you could jump headfirst into these businesses and leave the workplace before you would hit that certain number that would make you comfortable? Yeah. So this is something I think Matt and I differ on a little bit. I am definitely more comfortable with risk than he is. And so for me, I mean, I would have quit my job way before we did. Whereas Matt still looks back and thinks like we should have stayed longer. And he actually went back to work now. So Matt, expand on that a little bit. What did it feel like to take that risk? Explain a little bit why you think you were more reticent. Like I said, I think it has to do a little bit with just our personalities. Mm -hmm. And we talked about her being a little more creative and a little bit more free-spirited. I'm very analytical. So I'm like spreadsheeting out how much money we're making and how fast it's going to grow to X amount and when we'll reach it. It's like I'm very in tune with like the opportunity cost of leaving our jobs, especially since we were both engineers. They're very high paying jobs. So it was challenging for me to get over that opportunity cost, knowing that when we first started our businesses, they wouldn't be nearly as productive or they wouldn't replace what we had going on at work. And even so, after starting our businesses, I think they were slower than we even expected. So I think that was my main hesitancy. But now that we've done, I mean, and like she said, I went back to work just to provide some more stability because again, being a little risk averse, it was difficult watching the savings go the other direction than I was used to them going. So I think having that, the two sides of that coin actually helps us, you know, be set up well for, for the future. Allison, talk about that a little bit. How financially stable were you when you left your nine to fives? You can talk about that in terms of financial dependence, whether you were halfway there, three quarters or not even close, or just in a sense, if you had a large emergency fund, like how did you decide that it was safe to leave your nine to five? And did it matter whether it was safe or not, I guess is another question. Yeah. So, I mean, we share our numbers publicly. So we say it had a net worth of 650,000. About, yeah. And our FI number was like 1.2. So we were like halfway there. And we had probably 150000 in cash. And the year that we weren't working last year, we went through about 30 of that and weren't making like because we've been reinvesting everything back into our businesses. So we haven't been pulling salaries for ourselves or making money off of them yet. So yeah, I think I wasn't the one that needed to go back to work because I was like, we have so much money left and like our businesses are showing so much growth. And I saw, you know, the future for our business and it's grown so much like these past few it's months, like months exponentially, yeah. which I think I believed in a little more than Matt, maybe like that that could happen. Maybe. How did you guys resolve that conflict? Clearly, just listening to you, I can hear that, you know, you feel like you're on the precipice. And yet, on the other hand, your level of safety felt like it was dwindling. How did you come to a place where you were both comfortable? Yeah, I mean, I think we talked about it. I was struggling some with like my mental health, honestly, just feeling a little bit outside of my comfort zone, I think. So we discussed it and we decided, yeah, it would help to be at least have one of us employed. That way, you know, all the monthly stuff is covered. We feel a little more free to invest into the business because mm -hmm. I felt like there was a big bottleneck there where like, because I was just running off of my savings, I didn't want to say put $25,000 in on like buying inventory and supplies and putting a bunch of money in upfront. 
I feel like that was almost holding the business back in a lot of ways too. Mm-hmm. So we thought, you know, okay, one of us will go back to work. We'll have health insurance. We'll have a little bit of money to pay rent, food, and we can feel more comfortable taking more risk on the business side of things because we're not worried about depleting the investments. And of that 650 that you had in your investments, was that in qualified retirement plans or was that in like taxable? Because I had a similar situation where I had that, not quite that much money, but a little bit of money like that squirreled away, but you can't easily touch it until you're 59 and a half years old. Did y'all have the same problem? Some. We had probably half of it in like qualified accounts. So we couldn't uh-huh. get to maybe 300 to 350 was all in tax advantage. And uh-huh. we had some in a house and then we had some in cash, like she said, and then a little bit in taxable investments. So well. you did have some runway from a taxable point of view that you, you could, from the cash and other accounts, and you do not have kids. Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. So let's contrast that to Rob and Melissa, where you did have kids and you made a similar decision. Talk me through that process. I was pregnant with baby number three when I decided I was working as a personal trainer for about 10 years up to this point. And it was already crazy with two kids at home. We were kind of flip-flopping our schedules because he still had flexible schedule, even though he was working for this company. So I would go to work and then like we just flip-flopped our schedules. So it worked out so one of us could be with the kids. But then when number three came, we made the decision that I'm just going to stay home and let him work. And then And then a month later is when his job told him that they were cutting benefits from all the contractors. So that's when we made the decision like, okay, I guess we're both stopping. (laughs) We're going to just jump into this full time. And yeah, so we, we did. So Rob, when you guys jumped into this full time, were you already making enough money on your side hustle to support you? we hadn't been doing full-time hours on the side hustle as of this point. We were still, it was still a side hustle. So we jumped into it the first month and we started killing it. And it really brought up our, it brought up our <laughs> confidence to know that it was possible to do it after the, uh, the first month that we were jumping into it. So yeah, I mean, we didn't have a ton of savings ourselves, but like I said, it was a tipping point where we didn't really have another option to jump into this full time. At the same time that we were doing this, that's when we jumped into the blog and we started the blog up and started uh, the course and that kind of stuff. So it was really two businesses just starting off right there. And we did know, um, and we shared these numbers on our blog too, as far as our flipping numbers. The last year before we went full time, it was like 10 to 15 hours a week, we had made 42,000 in flipping. So we're like, okay, if in 10 to 15 hours, if we can do that, we should be able to make it happen if we can really devote more time to it. So that gave us a little bit of confidence too. You had a little bit of proof of concept before you started. And did you guys have a backup plan? So let's say this didn't work. Like, was there another plan in place if this didn't take off the way you wanted it to? No backup plan. We would figure it out, but there was no backup plan. Well, yeah. And you, you mentioned a while ago that you had no other alternative that after you found out that your, your benefits were being reduced. But what was so awesome about your situation is that you did have an alternative with this side business. What would you have done had you not had some side business? I mean, you're making a very good case for why we should all have some sort of alternative income because and not just rely on these W-2 jobs that can disappear or change drastically. For sure. And that, and now like flipping is our full-time gig, but now the blog is our side income. So uh-huh. we still have a side income coming. Allie, I want to transition a little into the glamorous life of the entrepreneur. You guys put out a YouTube video that pretty much was a typical day in the life of your startup. And I watched it and I think you guys started working about eight in the morning And by the end of your six-minute video, it was, what, 11, 30, 12 at night. Was it a little more work than you thought? I mean, you guys were engineers, right? So maybe you had a seven or eight to five or six job. That's a busy job. But the life as an entrepreneur, based on your video, looked like it had some stress involved. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, we, we left 40 hours a week job, making each of us making six figures to work 80 hours a week, making no money. So... It was definitely a mental shift, but for me, like, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. This and seeing, I mean, our business has grown so much and now we are making money. We're not taking salaries, but we're seeing like this is viable and I happily work 80 hours a week. Whereas when I was in my engineering job, I would complain about working 40 hours a week. So there's a different mindset I have. Matt, talk a little bit about how it feels to go back to work when the business is getting busier. I think you guys mentioned you got one order for like 17,000 units or something crazy like that. Is it hard for you now to be engaged in a nine to five when things are pushing forward with the business? 
Yeah, it was interesting because it, it happened right after I'd gone back to work. So I'd mm -hmm. been at work like a month and a half. And then, yeah, we got into this subscription box and really saw like a big jump in business as just more and more people found out about us. Plus, we had this huge order to fulfill for them. So now, yeah, it's been pretty steadily busy and it has been a little bit more difficult to be, you know, fully engaged at work because I also want to help her and, you know, see this thing that we've built together grow. Luckily, the job is pretty self-directed. So as long as I get my work done, they're not too insistent on seat time. And since I'm pretty effective, I think I can get most of my work done and still have some time to help Allison out during the day. Uh, even if it's just like this, I'm home on a lunch break, but I'll probably take a little bit long lunch and help her out and do the podcast. So I have some flexibility to make it work and still feel like I'm contributing to the company that I work for and not being too uh, one foot in, one foot out. But you guys are pretty public about that. Does your job, are they aware of what you're doing and that you might be potentially retiring sooner than the, the average employee? They are. Yeah. So it was interesting when I went back to work because I was putting these businesses on my resume. I was interested to see you know, how some employers would respond to that. And a lot of them were actually pretty positive about it. I think the job I have now is somewhat in sales. So having somewhat of an entrepreneurial spirit, I think they saw as an advantage. But yeah, there were definitely a couple jobs where I think it might have made them a little concerned that you have these things on the side and they're a little bit worried about whether you're really going to be invested in their work or not. His company knows all about our business now too. And, and our pursuit for financial independence. Yeah. Not retire early. And the, his boss has said he hopes it takes off, but not too much. Right. So. Yeah, we're seeing that more and more, actually, that people are afraid to let their businesses know that they're interested in financial independence. But usually when people do, they more get pats on the back and responses as you're talking about, boy, I hope you're successful, just not too quickly. So maybe it's uh, a little bit less scary letting the world know what you're doing. Part of it might be that they just assume that financial independence is impossible. So they figure you'll never get there. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Rob, I want to go back to you and Melissa a little bit. So the flipping business is not your own only business, right? You guys do a coaching business also. When did you develop that? And was that after you kind of started being successful at flipping? Yeah, the coaching business all started at the same time. So we built a course. Not at the same time as flipping. You've been uh, sorry. flipping forever. So. When, we, when, when, I, when we really both left our careers, that's yeah. when the coaching, which is the course that we created, the blog, and the full-time flipping all jumped in as one thing. And that was four years ago. So I actually have a question about that. I was in a kind of a similar spot to where I started doing coaching as a, along with, for me, it was real estate, but for you guys, it's flipping, you know, I was flipping houses where you're flipping a merchandise, similar principles in a lot of ways. Do you ever feel like you're torn between going between two different businesses and, or do they, are they somehow symbiotic? No, they're, they're definitely uh, similar. The whole purpose of the flipping and creating the blog and creating the course at one point, which this is the year that our course sales overtake our flipping sales. So we make more money on the course than we do in flipping. So that was ultimately the goal when we created the blog, we created the course was to do that. So well, I think for us, it really does work well together because we're creating content for the blog, but the content is also our income from flipping. So they work together yeah. very well. So Plus we talk about retirement, like most on our lifestyle right now, we have three young kids, uh, six, five, and three we feel like we're living our retirement life right now. We wouldn't change anything with what we do other than our, our financial situation. We don't have money to live the rest of our life. So we're working, but we absolutely love what we do. We're coaching, we're flipping. Even if I had you know $10 million in the bank, I'd still be doing the same exact thing that I'm doing right now. I help people and I flip because I feel like God's wired me to do that. I enjoy it. Um, I wouldn't change a thing. So we're living our, our retirement lifestyle right now pretty much. Allie, I want to ask you guys the same question. Why multiple businesses at once? Isn't making one successful business hard enough? Yeah, absolutely. And we learned that the hard way. So we definitely have seasons where like right now, Primal Noms, our keto food company is growing exponentially. That is where 99.9% .9 of our time and effort goes into. And I think for us having two businesses, we've had to have seasons of growth and seasons of maintenance on the other one. So we've decided to keep our financial coaching business there, but not pour the same time into it because Primal Noms will be our vehicle to financial independence. And our financial coaching will be able to do for the rest of our lives. 
Yeah. Kind of like throwing a few things up against the wall and seeing which one sticks. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was a little bit of that at the beginning. We were like, okay, we're interested in a couple of different ideas, industries, mm-hmm. and we also like see some potential in these different industries. And then now that it's played out over another year or so, I think we see like, yeah, Primal Noms has a lot of traction right now. So let's like back this horse. Mm-hmm. And then the financial coaching and financial independence is something that we're just really passionate about. And it's always something that we will, will do regardless, but mm-hmm. something we can definitely pick up in more earnest effort, you know, down the road. Matt, speaking of things that don't stick, let's talk a little bit about house flipping. Did you have an adventure with flipping a house? And and tell me how that went. We did. It went awful. (laughs) The uh, the cliff notes. But yeah, I started looking into real estate investing and really I wanted, I I wasn't as interested in flipping as I was in like long-term buy and hold kind of strategy. So I was looking for a lot of properties, but having trouble finding anything that really penciled out in the local Bakersfield area. So I started looking more at like the, the rehab and hold strategy. So I started looking at some stuff that was a little more distressed and ended up trying to buy this house from a guy. It was listed on the MLS, but just messaged him directly. Couldn't come to terms on a price, but this guy, we met with him a couple of times. He seemed like a more experienced real estate investor. So I was like, hey, why don't we just partner on this deal? It was kind of low on the priority list for him. So I was like, I can put up some money. I'll help like run the rehab. We'll partner on it. We'll flip it. We'll get rid of it. And we'll both do well. Turns out you got to be really much more careful about who you get into business with. The guy was very, made everything sound very good. Definitely a smooth talker. It seemed very genuine. But after that deal kind of progressed, found out that he was not really interested in making that deal work for us and just wanted to kind of make it work for himself. So we ended up having to foreclose on the house. We lent money that was guaranteed by deed of trust. That's how we kind of structured it. So we ended up having to foreclose on the house, buy it back in a, in a foreclosure sale, and then proceed with the flip ourselves. And we ended up losing probably about five grand, which was much better than it could have been. But it was a lot of stress, a lot of headache. We had to uproot our lives and move back to California for two months to finish it and get it sold. So we learned a lot through that first experience. Something I'm, I'm still interested in real estate investing. And I think, you know, in another real estate cycle, at least I've educated myself enough to know when the, the iron's hot, I think. But for now, kind of biding our time on that one. Like, was that one of the things that made you want to go back to the predictability of your engineering job? I don't think it was. But that's a good question. I guess I haven't really thought about it. Uh, it definitely was, you know, very stressful. And there was a lot of money involved and a lot of risk and a lot of uncertainty. So it definitely could have played a factor because that was a similar time to when we kind of made that decision. All right. So most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is there's something better and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago and I knew immediately that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor, and it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com slash E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer-focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. You know what? I love our meals from Factor. My son started getting them about a year ago when he needed a quick alternative to meals on the go. But where we've really enjoyed them is we've been remodeling our kitchen. That's right. We've had no access to our kitchen for the last few weeks. 
And some nights, we just had no idea what to do for a meal. That is where Factor came in. We would just pop the meal in the microwave, and two minutes later, we'd have a fantastic meal. You can do the exact same thing, and there's tons of variety. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also discover more than 60 add-ons every week. These are chef-prepared meals, and let me tell you, they are delicious. No fuss, no mess. You just put it in the microwave, and two minutes later, you have a meal. This is tailored to your schedule. You can customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need. Head to factormeals.com slash earn50 and use your code earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code earn50 at factormeals.com slash earn50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Rob, let's talk a little bit about unpredictability. I mean, owning your own business, it's quite unpredictable. How do you guys manage that? I don't know if I have a great answer for that, but yeah, we... we thrives on unpredictability. <laughs> I, I like that. I don't like the monotony of going to doing the same thing over and over. So the stuff we flip is crazy. I'm working on a golf cart right now. We've sold Harley-Davidson signs that are half the size of our house. So yeah, there. I mean, we just sell all kinds of crazy stuff. So I like the not knowing it. It gives me a little bit more of a, a buzz or a high just living that way. So I enjoy it. Yeah, I was about to say, Melissa, so what does it feel like to be both business partners and a spouse to someone who thrives on unpredictability? How does that feel to you? It's definitely been some tension with that, I would say. But I guess I've learned a little bit more when seasons are good to kind of put some more money away and, you know, so that it's there when we need it, when it's not so good or when we have, you know, a lower, a lower month or something. Robin, Melissa, can you share a story of something you purchased that was like the biggest mistake to make us feel better about our horrible housework? <laughs> Melissa, did we buy anything that's a larger purchase that I have to spend more money on? Melissa and I definitely go head to head just because she's scared. She's stressed out about it. It, it gives her uh, anxiety or whatever it is. But I, if I'm buying something, it's an educated risk when I do it. So I don't know of anything offhand. Can you think of anything? I mean, we've had a couple of, you know, little losses here and there. That airboat was just like a hundred dollars. But the biggest thing that we lose money on would be if it sits for a while because he loves the thrill of the hunt, the thrill of the buy. It's like, oh, it's such a great deal. I'll make this much money on it. But then half the time it doesn't get listed. (laughs) And if it doesn't get listed, then it can't sell. And that sometimes will be, we might lose money that's sitting actually in our garage. (laughs) But I'll give you an instant. We have probably 150,000 right now of inventory on eBay. And we probably have 250 to 300,000 of inventory that's not listed. (laughs) So that I'll give you an idea. Yeah, that money's just sitting there because it's not listed. It might need a little thing here, there. And I've moved on to something else. And then that's where we have to bring back and tie up our our loose ends. And I'm not good at tying up the loose ends. So (laughs) hopefully that'll make you feel better. Allie, what Rob said is that anytime he buys something, him and Melissa go head to head. Tell me business-wise what you and Matt go head to head about. We don't really go head to head about a lot of things. The thing that I've learned about Matt is he takes a long time to make a decision about things, but when he makes a decision about something, he is almost always right. So it's annoying, but I've learned to like really give him space to make decisions that we need to make in the business because he is really good at all of the details and figuring all that out. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, we obviously try to make a lot of decisions together, especially around like investments in the business. So those are probably like the big things we're putting money in now. Like we're gearing up for another production run of product and it'll probably cost $30,000 or something like that. Obviously, we'll hopefully get all that back, but just kind of discussing a lot about how we're going to allocate that. How much are we going to make? How much inventory do we want to carry? Some of those decisions. I try to provide my analytical spreadsheet skills too. And uh, Allison helps with the big picture planning and, and vision for like, okay, if we continue to grow, how much are we going to need? And I kind of forecast a lot of that. Yeah. So I think we do it together. There's not too much head-to-head battling going on. Yeah. So uh, we could go back to uh, the head-to-head that we have. And when I do approach her on 
the two major things that we have bought, we bought two jet skis. We spent $5,000 on both of those. She did not want me to do it. We sold those jet skis. We used them for a summer with our family and with our kids. We sold them for $17,500 a summer later. So those are the head to heads that I'm talking about. I mean, we don't get into head to heads. It's not on the everyday investment. No, it's, it's, it's the, larger. It's the large investment. The other large thing we bought for $5,000 was a parking lot tower. We spent $5,000 on it. I had to fight her <laughs> tooth and nail to do it. Uh, we sold it in less than a month for 25000 So when I do do educated, it's the same way. When I make an educated risk, I'm educated in that I know that I can get some great money out of it. So you just um, have to convince me. That's that it. That's the hard part is that's where we go back and forth. But she ultimately like <laughs> lets me make the decision. So yeah, I think it, that reminded me, you, you guys saying that, that reminded me of investing in cryptocurrency was something that we did, which I was not interested in at all. And I kind of just let you do it. And kind of same with the house flip. I think in the beginning of our relationship, I didn't feel as confident in like saying, I don't think this is a good idea. And I was like, oh, I'll just let you figure it out. And if you fail, like we'll figure it out. But looking back, I think now if you came to me and wanted to do something that I didn't feel comfortable with, I would definitely feel more confident saying something because those two things didn't end up very well. That's true. So maybe <laughs> I should have bad track something. record. Yeah. So do you think being in business together, Allie, gave you some of that confidence to speak up? Definitely. And just taking and trusting my voice and my opinion more. I think that being in business together has helped me with that. And Matt really respects my opinion. And so that, of course, helps. This also begs the question, did you actually make any money on Bitcoin? Yeah, I'd like made some money, but ultimately just held it. We ended up losing it in like a security breach type situation. So I'd kind of always known that, okay, it's possible it's going to go to zero. But we had an issue with getting our Gmail accounts hacked and got access to a lot of our stuff. And ultimately, one of those things was our cryptocurrency accounts. And because those are basically unregulated and unsecured, that money was just gone. So that was definitely a little bit of a blow to lose it that way. So I don't know that it was a bad investment, but it was a bad execution on the way that I'd secured that and, uh, you know, taking care of that money. So that was disappointing for sure. So Matt, tell me some of the things you learned by being in business with Ali that you might not have learned otherwise. I think seeing someone, you know, really step into the role of leadership, especially that she's been doing recently, kind of shows a different side. Like there's a lot different responsibilities placed on you as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, as an owner of a business than I ever saw from her when she was working her nine to five career. So I think that's been really exciting just to watch her kind of grow into that too. Like she's really embraced personal development and growth and is like really trying to become the person she needs to be to own like a really big, amazing company. So I'm really excited that this adventure, even though there's been some challenges, has like driven that growth and development for both of us, I would say. Rob, I'd ask you the same question. What have you learned about Melissa by being in business with her that you might not have known? I wouldn't want to do business without her, that's for sure. I couldn't do business without her. So I mean, we just really complement each other very well in the roles that we play. Yeah, she's amazing at what she does. The thing about what she does is if she doesn't know uh, something on our blog or, you know, working online, whatever it is, she has a personality that she's the kind of person who will take control. She'll figure it out and she gets it done. So me, I probably do not have that type of drive when it comes to online stuff. So that's why we complement each other very well. And we've been very successful because of our partnership, our team together. So Melissa, I was going to ask you, would you do it again, get into a business with your spouse? I think I know the answer to that, but what could you have done differently? Is there anything now looking back at it as you guys started this business together as partners? Is there anything you could have done differently? I don't know if there's anything we could have done. I feel like everything is a learning. You learn from it and then you grow from it and it kind of makes you where you are now. Like I go back and I look at some of the first beginning parts of our blog. And I'm like, what in the world was I thinking writing that? You know, and so I don't know, you just grow and you learn. But as far as working together, I guess maybe having a little more of a plan just because that's my, but we, we, we feed off each other a lot. Like most every morning we go for a walk with our kids and we talk about the day and Sometimes we finish the day. We finish a lot of the days like that too. And even though like if we walk in the evening, it's like, okay, now what are we doing at night? Because, you know, it's nighttime. The kids are in bed. We're going to work some more. So I don't know. I feel like we taught, we communicate well. I don't know if there's anything I would do differently. One thing that we have that's a little bit different is we have kids and our whole 
life revolves around our kids. So when it's normal hours, we're more working with the kids or we're playing with the kids, doing stuff with the kids. The business that we've created allows us to do that. Now, when the kids go to bed at 7.30, you know, we're up until sometimes 12 or 1 in the morning doing stuff for the blog, doing videos. But we created this lifestyle that allows us to do that, to be present in our kids' lives and be together uh, the rest of the time. So it's really cool. And they do some work with us. They do. They'll go. They like to go to the flea markets. They do videos with us. Yeah. So Allie, you've been talking about how Primal Noms is growing. You are to this point. Do you think as it grows more that Matt will start working more with you again? Or would you now consider hiring someone else in? So we've actually hired two people part-time to help. So we can pay someone to work for us cheaper than we can get Matt out of his job. And just for stability reasons, hiring someone part-time on a contract basis, not like a full-time employee. So definitely, I think we will probably even bring like a full-time hire on before we let you quit your job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've had some discussions about it, kind of following this growth of what mm-hmm. our kind of strategy going forward was. And we decided that was probably the, the most prudent decision. Now, you said prudent. Is there a little bit of sadness? Like you're seeing this thing grow, but you're not in the depths that you were before? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like your baby, you know, you worked on it. I worked on it for a couple of years before, mm-hmm. up to this point. So I would love to just be involved 100% of the time, but I still think I can do a lot of good just providing that support and mm-hmm. stability and also, you know, helping however I can. Okay. So I'd like to end this now, wrap up the conversation, kind of going back to the original question is, should you go into business with your spouse? And so the way I'll actually ask that is I'm a potential client and I want to get some coaching from you guys. I'm thinking about going to business with my wife. What kind of questions would you ask me in order for me to make an informed decision? I'll start with Allie and Matt. Are you ready to be thrown into the fire? (laughs) I would say I I am, but my wife, maybe not. I think you both need to be ready to be thrown into the fire, not only in terms of your relationship, just testing and growing that and but also going into business is a really vulnerable, dysregulating scenario that you willingly walk into. And so if one person is more excited and alive about that than the other, then there might be an imbalance in that dynamic, which could cause stress to the relationship, which... For Matt and I, we've made it clear from the beginning, our relationship is more important than our business. So if our business starts causing way too much stress for us, then that's going to have to go away because our relationship is more important than that. And so I think laying that from the beginning has been helpful and having really hard conversations frequently, like, are you ready to do that every day? It definitely is going to force a lot of growth. I think that we've been through and we're better for that. And our relationship is better for that, mm-hmm. but it's definitely not without its challenges and tribulations and it's going to be uncomfortable for yeah. sure at times. And from a financial point of view, what would you suggest to somebody who is considering getting into a business with their spouse, a life partner? What are some thoughts there that you have that someone who's listening to this might be thinking about it too? Yeah, from the financial aspect, I always tend to be a little bit more conservative, kind of mm-hmm. what we've talked about. I think the ideal situation would be to start it like Rob Melissa did with a side hustle. You have some proof of concept, you get it kind of up and going and you know it's going to work and then you transition out. We didn't necessarily do that, but we did have like a pretty good runway. So let's say you need kind of one of those two avenues. You either need some security in your savings that you have some time to figure it out before you're in trouble, or you have enough of a proof of concept that you can proceed confidently knowing that, you know, you're not going to be left out high to dry when you rely just on your savings. Yeah, we didn't talk about this a lot, but in a sense, when you go into a business with your spouse, you are kind of putting all your eggs in one basket, right? Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Okay. Rob and Melissa, same question. And I know you do some of these coachings. How many of your clients are actually married couples or is it a lot, a big percentage of them or not? Couple. Yeah, we do. That you've worked with. Yeah. Um, And what kind of advice do you give the couples? What kind of problems do you see that people should be aware of when you're working with couples? I think you guys have a misunderstanding. Our our coaching is more towards, uh, it's more of how to make money flipping is the coaching. The biggest thing we do is sell the product that it's already all created. It's an online course that they go through. We've recently been working more with uh, some people who have gone through the course and there are life partners and spouses that want to both do it, but we don't really get into the intertwines of their, their different roles and how they're good at that. So I don't have a lot of experience on that aspect to tell you what's good or what's not. So 
But from our experience, I would say, do you know your strengths and your weaknesses and your spouse's strengths and weaknesses? Because I think that makes a, a big difference going into it or, or just to know what those are. Yeah. Do you guys find that couples are better at the flipping game? I think it's more of a support. We do have a lot of people who go through our course who their husband or their wife, whatever their spouse, significant other does not agree with it. They don't think it's a good idea. It's a lot harder to get good and grow in something when you're up against the wall of somebody who doesn't support you. So So then that's when we have to tell them they have to prove it to them and show them they can make money. And that's like what Stacey did. Her husband was completely like, you don't really need to do this to make money. And then she flipped her first big item and made like three grand in a month or two. Yeah, really quick. And um, he's like, okay, maybe we could do this for an extra income. she actually works for us. She's yeah, one of she's our VAs VA, that so. uh, she originally went through the course and yeah, she absolutely, she convinced her husband and now, and now he's completely on board hundred percent and so. he's handy. So now they can work together on it. So when he retires next year, they're planning to do it together. together. So. Yeah. And another example of how your businesses are symbiotic where you kind of as a farm league system almost for people to come in for your business. It's an interesting point. What have we not asked that you would recommend to couples who are considering going to business together? Is there anything else that really someone should take home that you guys have gleaned from your life? Definitely. If you can't see yourself spending almost 24-7 with your spouse, because a lot of people, it's their escape to go to their separate jobs, work 40 hours a week, then they come home and spend a couple hours with their spouse. If you can't see yourself spending 24-7 with your spouse, it's probably not a good <laughs> idea to, to jump into a business together. If you guys are already hitting heads when you're working 40 hours a week, somewhere else, probably not a great idea to uh, jump and do a business together. That's my take. <laughs> hmm, I think that's really good advice. All right, Matt and Allison, you got any additional thoughts that we've missed? Yeah, I think being a partnership together can be super powerful, but it can also be super, as we've mentioned, just like growth creating. And if you're having, you know, like Robin Melissa said, if you're having problems with your spouse, you know, when you're only spending couple hours a night together, address those problems first. And because a business isn't going to fix it. A business is just going to exaggerate it. Like that's what some people get married and think that's going to fix all their relationship problems. And it just exaggerates it. Just like living in a van. We did that for eight months together and like spent all of our time in 20 square feet together. And some people are like, wow, how could you do that? And I'm like, well, you know, we addressed a lot of our problems that we've had in the beginning, in the beginning of our relationship and went through a lot of growth and a lot of struggle to get to the point where we really love spending time together. And it is really enjoyable. But we did that before we took the leap and created the skills to communicate. Like that's super important. Living in a tiny van created a lot of those skills to communicate. Yeah, that's true. Uh, great advice from both you guys. Uh, so all four of you guys, both couples, I'd like to give uh, Matt and Allison a chance to share where we can find you and what is up next with you because I know after listening to this, people are going to want to dig into your YouTube channel. Yeah, so we sell keto cake mixes. So that's pe- for people on the ketogenic diet and that's at primalnoms.com. And then we also have a YouTube channel where we talk about money, minimalism mindset business stuff and that's called owen your future our last name is owen and it's like a play on own your future so yeah that's where we're at out there Mm -hmm. i'll make sure and get that in the show notes and i can't wait for some keto cupcakes i was like that just sounds really good i'm gonna be a new client they're delicious we'll send you some yeah yeah okay (laughs) all right Uh, rob melissa same question for you guys where can we find you and what's up next in your life you can find us at fleamarketflipper.com and our YouTube channel is the same, Flea Market Flipper. And what's up next is we are working on just creating more coaching. I think we're, we're really trying to develop the coaching aspect of our business some more. So we've been doing that for the last couple of months and it, we've seen a lot of good things from it. All right. This has been the What's Up Next podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, and my co-host, Paul Thompson, we wanted to thank Rob and Melissa from Flea Market Flippers and Allison and Matt Owen from Primal Nom. If you would like to get updates on what Doc and I are thinking up next, you can text the word NEXT to 345-345 so you can get notified of free giveaways, opportunities to engage with the What's Up Next podcast, and maybe even be a guest on the podcast. We're adding consistent content to our Facebook group, and you can get access by texting the word NEXT to the number 345-345. That's a wrap. 
All right, Allison and Matt, you have to give us some bonus material here. Talk to us about van life. (laughs) (laughs) I need a spiel on van life. Good, bad, are you happy you did it? I'm happy we did it. Mm -hmm. Um, I do think there was some expectations that didn't quite meet reality. And we kind of fell into van life um, when we looked at leaving our job. We knew we wanted to travel and kind of have some experiences but we were also trying to start these businesses at the same time, which I don't think quite meshed. We really tried to like do everything at once and it was just too much. So I would really like to go back to some like full-time travel, whether that's in a van or we've talked about, you know, getting on like a sailboat in the future. But I think we want to do that when we're more financially independent because it was just another logistical thing that came up trying to move all the time, as well as you're feeling this dichotomy of like being in a new place wanting to explore it. And you're like, wait, I need to be working on my business because I need to make some money. And that made it like added some stress to the mm-hmm. whole thing. But like, otherwise I think like the experience was really enjoyable. And like yeah. I mentioned, it was a huge like period of growth for us. When we just left our jobs, we were dealing with some of that identity. We were living in this really small space together, spending 24 hours a day together, which we hadn't done previously because we'd both been working. So we grew a lot in our relationship and yeah, I think it was really, really good for us, but it was uh, difficult for some of those reasons. Yeah, you can't fit the ovens on a sailboat or in a van, right? They just work. <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> We're not the creepy van people selling food out of our van. <laughs> That's a whole other thing. You could end up on um, the Food Channel if you did that. But <laughs> van life, keto, creepy keto people. <laughs> That's us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so do y'all follow the ketogenic diet or you just do that for people who follow you? So you're able to maintain ketosis and do ketogenic, like sustain it. Because I've tried it several times and I've never been able to maintain it for more than six months. It just, it's only because of any diet. I'm too lazy. I, I can't keep track of all these, like all these macros. It's like I'm, people say, listen to your body and do what your body tells me. My body tells me to feed it constantly. <laughs> Hey, this is Robert and Melissa, and you're listening to the What's Up What's Up podcast. podcast. <laughs> What's Up podcast? You guys have bloopers, don't you? We, we do, do have bloopers, and now we have our first one. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to me one more time. It's the What's Up, up next, next podcast. I forgot one word. Come on, guys. One yeah, word. but oh, it's oh, kind oh. of the most important one. So let's. The, in the house the, and the house flip, there was some head-to-head battles. <laughs> 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 This also begs the question, did you actually make any money on Bitcoin? Uh, <laughs> Complete silence. There's like, yeah. they won't answer. <laughs> I don't want the cackle die down. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right. Rob and Allison, same question. Or I'm sorry. I say this. I'm, I've, I've looked down every time and thought, I'm not going to mess it up again. And I did. Um, you're good. You're good. <laughs> you care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. Tech moves fast. So keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts.